0: You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammey. In the name of Jesus, amen. How does a sinful human being, such as myself or such as you, how do we begin to even talk about the sufferings of Jesus? St. Peter says that the prophets directed by the Holy Spirit, searched and inquired carefully for the time and the person of the Christ who would suffer and would then be glorified. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. The angels long to look into the sufferings of Jesus. Because in the sufferings of Jesus, they see a beautiful mystery of God reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. They gaze with wonder upon Jesus' precious blood pouring out from his body, blood like, a, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. That ransom sinners from their futile ways, from bondage to the devil, from God's anger, and from wrath. You and I, we stand in a unique position of privilege and perspective. Because what the prophets longed to see in the death of Jesus, we confess every Morning and every evening when we wake up and pray the Catechism and when we go to bed and do the same and when, we, when we pray the Creed. Every week, you and I have the privilege and the perspective of eating and drinking Jesus' body and blood, the same body that was nailed to the cross and the same blood that was poured out from His body that extinguished the anger of God against sin. The very fruits of the tree upon which the angels marvel. Now, I cannot understand this, and I can't wrap my head around it and explain how God became a man and how, by God's blood and God's death, worthless sinners are saved from the punishment that they deserve. The punishment that I deserve, the punishment that you deserve. Undoubtedly, the devil would tell us that not being able to understand the cross with our minds, by not being able to match it up with our aesthetic sentiments, how It doesn't seem to us to be very beautiful or good, or how the cross and the justice of the cross doesn't match up with our morality and our sense of right and wrong, the devil would then say, if you don't understand it, then you ought not to believe. You ought to divert your eyes to find salvation in some other place. But as much as the devil tries to shake our confidence in the death of Jesus, we have the testimony of the apostles. They have seen it. They bear witness, and their witness is true. God fights back against the devil in your life, and in your soul, and in your conscience, by the very words that we just heard By the testimony of the death of Jesus. This is the word that plants faith in our heart. And by this faith, by this faith in God's Son's death, the works of the devil, his lies that cause us to doubt, that cause us to despair of God's kindness towards us, his works are destroyed. And this is the gift of the cross. You are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This is the preaching of the cross and it crushes the devil under our feet. All our doubts and our uncertainty flee because Jesus suffers so that you and I might live. We can consider Jesus' suffering, well, in two ways. But first, we must consider how he suffered as a man. It seems like, it certainly seems this way to those people who do not listen to the preaching of the Holy Scriptures, it seems like the devil is actually getting the upper hand on Jesus. It seems like death and sin are finally overcoming not only God's creation, but now the Creator Himself. Indeed. The devil knows this, and he wants nothing more than for God's Word, and in fact, God's Word incarnate, to break down and to fail. And so he presses Jesus, the man, to the limit, even to death. Because I think that the devil thinks that if by the fruit of a tree... And binding my lie to the fruit of a tree, I could lead Adam and Eve astray into the bondage of sin and to death. How much more can I even lead this second Adam into sin and to death through the cruel and the wicked fruit of his thorns, of this tree's nails, of this tree's agony? Jesus is a true man. When Jesus suffers, he doesn't put on mock sufferings. He doesn't pretend so as to trick the devil that he's actually going through a really hard time, but in actuality he's not. No! When the Son of God was conceived in Mary's womb, he took into the Godhead a full human nature, a real human nature, A human nature like yours that gets hungry, that grows cold, that sheds tears, that feels pain, and even dies. Even when you and I can't imagine the kind of pain that Jesus felt as he hung upon the cross, we must believe that his agony is real, or else, dear saints, we will lose our comfort. Jesus suffered as a man, both physically and spiritually. You see his physical suffering when having been handed over to the soldiers, his body is torn to shreds by the, by the scourges. You see him suffering physically when his body is, is mangled in such a way that his hands are affixed to the wood of the cross by nails and his feet also. You see his physical suffering when you see Jesus die the same death that the same death that every human being has died, the same death that the devil uses to hold humanity captive in being afraid of death. The sharpest agony was not felt in Jesus' body. Jesus felt the weight of the cross upon his soul. Now, you and I suffer from time to time spiritually when we wrestle with a, with a troubled conscience. Um, but even then, we're accustomed to our consciences being at least partially hardened or deadened against sin. It's because we like to listen to the devil and our flesh in the world too much. They're always trying to get us to the point where we, where we hardly feel our sins, that we hardly notice it when we are sinning. But I want you to see how Jesus suffers spiritually with a pure and a holy conscience. Jesus is without sin. He never sinned against God, but called him Father and obeyed his will. Jesus never sinned against his neighbor, but he loved his neighbor. If our consciences are stone, then Jesus' conscience was as tender and as pure as an infant's flesh. And he bears all the weight, all the fire, and all the intensity of God's wrath against sin. This we cannot imagine. This we cannot fathom. Our troubled consciences pale in comparison to what Jesus went through when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, if this is all we knew about the cross, that Jesus a man suffered both physically and spiritually, you and I would still be lost. We would still be enslaved by the devil's lies to the fear of death. Because what can one man's death really do? We have it in our minds that someone can lay down their life for another But at best, it only puts off the inevitable. That a soldier can jump on a grenade for the sake of his fellow soldiers, but who knows what tomorrow may bring. Maybe one of the soldiers that he saved would be be shot, or another grenade would come, and this time no one jumps on it. One man's death may put off death, physical death, for a day, but it does not put off the anger and the wrath of God. Jesus doesn't suffer merely as a man. And this is why Christmas matters on Good Friday. Which is to say that it matters that the Son of God was born of the Virgin Mary for this day and for this moment to work a salvation that exceeds your capacity, that exceeds human strength. You would try to justify yourself before God. You would try to set aside His wrath and His anger by convincing the Lord that, hey, I have been a good person. I know the law. I try to love my neighbor. See how nice I have been. And in this way, we think that we can somehow dismiss his accusation against our lovelessness, against our lusts and perversions. We think that even though we can get away with soothing our soul to the point where I can sleep at night, that this is somehow going to count when I end up before God's judgment throne in heaven. But... Jesus will not let you do this. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, this day, on Good Friday, have come together and conspired to save you apart from the law, apart from the legalism, and apart from the works. How is this done? God stands in your place, God stands in the docket. God gets nailed to a cross and bears the punishment of the world's sin. This is why the Son of God comes in human flesh, so that He can carry your guilt and your shame and your sins away from you to take away a righteousness of the law that counts before the throne of God from you. Isaiah says the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. When Jesus enters the waters to be baptized by John, there's a twofold sermon. God the Father says, This is my beloved Son, the sinless one with whom I am well pleased. And John the Baptist then says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus enters into baptism to take away your sin, and in your baptism your sins are taken away from you. The second way that Jesus suffers unlike any other man is that he pays the price demanded for sins. Now, when you mess up, you have the idea that you can somehow do something to make it right, that you can go to your neighbor and say, you know, I've done something to hurt you. Let me make it up by my kindness. Sometimes our neighbor receives these reparations or these works of uh, fruits of repentance But how is God to receive us into His favor and His grace when, even from the moment of our conception, we have been at enmity with Him? When we have been in rebellion against Him? When, by default, as human beings, we do not love God, but instead we love the devil's lie? And we look to Fear, love, and trust in ourselves above all things. We look to fear, love, and to trust in death (laughs) and how to avoid it above all things. To worship at the foot of idols that are no gods. Jesus pays the price. Isaiah says, out of the anguish of his soul, God shall see and be satisfied. Yes, Jesus is forsaken by God, but in bearing our forsakenness that we deserve, He does the thing that you and I could never do by paying the penalties of our sins for a million years in hell. Jesus extinguishes the wrath of God. And he says it is finished as a sure and certain pledge that God is no longer angry with you, that God doesn't hate you. God loves you. Your guilt and your sin and your death, they have ended. And the divine justice that demanded payment for sin, Jesus has satisfied it. This brings us to the third and the final benefit of Jesus' suffering as true God. Upon Jesus was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. You hear the word atonement. What does this mean? It means that the warfare that you have been in against God because of your sin, because you have been captured by the lies of the devil, because you have been trapped in the fear of death. This is taken away in the death of Jesus, and now you have peace. Your enmity is gone. Your warfare is ended. You are one with God once again. God has done it. Not you. Not your works. But the death of Jesus has done this. So now, God isn't mad at you. He doesn't hate you. He's not angry with you. God smiles upon you as his child. God wants to comfort you. God wants to give to you, not death, but life. This, dear saints, is why we call this Good Friday. This Friday is good because Jesus suffers and you gain God's kindness. You gain forgiveness and life and salvation. You can't find this anywhere else in the world. You can't find this anywhere by seeking, sorting through the devil's lies. You can't find this in the imaginations of your own flesh. The only place that you can find this is when you hear, you are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Hear this preaching and believe it. Because saving faith isn't the mere history of knowing the mere history of a man who suffered for sins and died, but it is in fact full of God's promises. It's full of His Word, where you discover that for our sake God made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Saving faith is full of baptism that binds us to the death of Jesus, that binds us to a death, to sin, and an end even to the grave by his resurrection. Saving faith is full of the eating and the drinking of Jesus' body and blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This is the mystery of the cross, and it has been put into your hearts because Jesus has put his promises upon the mouths of men. He's put it into the mouths of parents and of preachers, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles. And he puts the promises into the ears of children and sinners, of people who feel forsaken by God, but only by the promise discover that they are truly God's children. This Good Friday, see not the death of a mere man, but hear God's word and believe it. You and God are at peace. Jesus has done it. And in three days, you will hear again and believe that the last enemy has been destroyed. Death itself, which held you captive, is even now under his feet. To God alone be the glory. Amen.